No matter if we are a woman or a man, the feminine, or we could also call it yin energy, that is the open, flowing, letting go, receiving, surrendering, trusting. I cannot receive without trusting. You know, I cannot receive from life, from the universe, from the divine, if I don't trust. If I question always if I have enough, that constricts me. So that also plays out in relationship. Of course, relationship with myself, first and foremost. Do I trust myself? Am I opening up to myself? Am I able to let go? Hello, everybody. Nearly six years of Witchy Wellness Radio this month. And guess what? It's time for a rebirth. Cue the suspense. I'm so grateful for all the things over the years from me growing as a person to interviewing and growing this show just one small step at a time to now being a top 2% podcast of all podcasts out there. I'll be taking a short break to rebrand, recreate, and begin anew. But don't worry, if you're a fan of Witchy Wellness now, rest assured that even this more empowering show with a new name will be your jam. I will share more in the coming weeks closer to the release, but I wanted to give you guys a heads up now. I want to hear from you guys. What do you want to hear more about? What's your favorite part of the show currently? And where are you on your journey? That last question is the most near and dear to my heart. I have grown on my journey. I realize my listeners have grown on their journey. And what they need now is a little different than what they needed at the beginning of this. So DM me on Instagram, the word rebirth, answering those questions, and you will be entered to win a free spot in my group mastermind program, Sovereign, and six months of my upcoming embodiment membership. This contest will be open until February 15th. So make sure to shoot me a DM with your answers. I just love to spark that conversation with fellow listeners. I've had many messages over the past years of random people reaching out how much this show has affected them. And I'm so grateful to have been of service and to continue to at a deeper devotional level. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Witchy Wellness Radio, the show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way, they are leading the way. And today we're learning all about how to ignite passion and lasting fulfillment, not only in your life, but also in relationships. Today we're talking with Dr. Elspeth Muth and Freddie Zental Weaver. They've assisted thousands of couples and singles creating lasting intimacy and fulfillment in their life and relationships. They've been featured on Showtime's documentary series, Sexual Healing, and the Emmy award-winning NBC show, Starting Over. They're best-selling authors of Sexual Enlightenment, endorsed by world-renowned spiritual pioneer, Dr. Michael Bethwick, the co-founders of Tantra Nova Institute in Chicago. They got nominated as a changemaker at the White House-sponsored 2016 United States of Women Summit in Washington, D.C., 
Elspeth and Freddie are beloveds, husband and wife, as well as business partners residing in Chicago. Welcome both of you to the show. I'm so excited to dive into all this beautiful stuff, but thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Lauren. Great to be here, Lauren. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I love having multiple people on my show. It's very rare that I have more than one guest at a time, Mm. and even more rare that I I have two beloveds on. So Uh I would love, before you two, you know, found each other, what was each of your, you know, heroines or heroes journey that got you not only to be in this conscious relationship, but also to help other people single and in partnership, really harness their own life force energy to, to be the creators, but living this beautiful life of fulfillment now. Okay. So, well, yeah, again, thanks, Lauren, for having us on your platform today. Uh, I was first introduced to these practices that we teach when I was 13 years old. I was living in Hawaii, going through my puberty, spending a lot of time in the shower, as a lot of guys are at that age. My father at the time was a practicing psychiatrist and took pity on me and gave me a book to read on how to integrate sex and meditation. Wow. Well, you know, I loved it. My girlfriend loved it. And more than that, I had this dream, this hope, this wish, this desire to go on to college on athletic scholarship, but doubted and did not believe that I could get the training or exposure living in Hawaii. Well, the practices really assisted me at a deep level to shift that belief. And I did go on to college on athletic scholarship. And after completing, I kept reading books and doing these practices in my personal life to just stay on track and, and nourish my, my emotional and spiritual self. Uh, I was in the software business for a long time in San Francisco. Uh, knowing what I knew about my own inspiration, something was missing. After 15 years, you know, it was just a job. So I was looking for something to reinvigorate my, my uh, engagement. So there was an opportunity in Chicago. I was single. I took it, uh, and I'm in Chicago 22 years ago looking for Shakti, a female tantra partner. And I'm online, and Elspeth showed up. And I didn't know it at the time, but I really came here to meet her. Uh, and we met in almost six months to the day. We, what I call, transcended the romantic drama and created this work, which we've been doing for the last 22 years all over the world with couples and singles and books and tapes and television. And it's the greatest thing, an authentic uh, expression of who I am in the world uh, for me. And we all have this diamond. We're this diamond, you know, this uniqueness. And we're so lucky if we can find it in a way to keep, you know, putting it out there and making a difference in the world, doing some good. So look, look forward to getting into more of what exactly it is that we do uh, <laughs> as we go on. Okay, so I think it's my turn now. And my story, history is so different from Freddie's. Um, it couldn't be more different. So um, I wish I would have had a dad when I was a teenager who would have given me a book on sex consciousness. But far from it, I don't know about you, Lauren, but that was not customary in our, in my family, I'm one of 10 children. I was born and raised in Germany with a very strict dad. And, um, you know, to their chagrin, when I hit puberty, I got very interested in all matters of the sexual, you know, like just the, the air around it. So 
anyway, but there was a lot of suffering also because there were a lot of restrictions, you know, and <clears throat> however, then in my late 20s, I came to the United States to do postgraduate work in music and then moved on to getting my doctorate in education a few years later. And from there, I moved into management consulting. And so I had become a very good consultant in the 90s, yet I felt just so despaired in intimate relationship. Mm. I had this pattern of attracting unavailable men. And while that was exciting at certain moments, most of the time, I was alone. And it hit me at one time that if I was not going to change that trajectory, I would end up, you know, without lasting intimacy and love in my life before I was going to leave this planet. And that really drove it home to me. I decided that whatever I needed to do, I would do to find out what had me be in these unavailable relationships. Because in the end, it's always a reflection of myself, whatever shows up in my life, like my consciousness, a uh, reflection of my consciousness. While at the outside, I look very available and they were not available. But as I discovered through the tantric practice and my tantric studies was that I was not available, not at the outside, but on the inside. And the tantric practice is a very powerful way of coming and, you know, tapping into places that within ourselves that are not available through approaching them from the conscious mind. And what opened up for me through the tantric practice, I really dedicated myself to it, like really studying, not just reading a book here and there, but really delving into it. And what opened up was that I distrusted men. I had no clue about that, Lauren. I mean, I didn't walk around like a distrusting bitch, you know. I was, I was charming. I was inviting. You know, I reeled them in, <clears throat> yet underneath that which was not visible to the conscious mind and the, the eye was that, that uh, I was not trusting. And through one uh, very particular tantric healing ritual, I got in touch with that. And what opened up was what I was connected to was a memory from the time when I was 18 years old, first love, first boyfriend. We had a quiet, you know, blissful relationship. And then he asked me <clears throat> to have intercourse. And I said yes, although I was not ready. And it was freakingly painful. It was so painful that I had to go to the gynecologist the bill from the gynecologist went to my house. My dad opened it. All hell broke loose. He called me a whore. The boyfriend left the relationship a few weeks later. So there I was totally alone, no soul to turn to. And that was the moment where I made a decision. It's this kind of coping decision that was for me, look, Elspeth, 
men are not there when you really need them. And while that was so at that time, that decision trailed me into my young adult life, my adult life. And then no wonder that I attracted unavailable men living with that decision. See, they are not there for you because that these unavailable relationships were just further proof. You know, like I proved it to myself, not knowing what I was doing. And um, so all of that was unraveled. And, you know, usually when we unravel something like that, what may show up, that what we tried to hold, you know, in ourselves opens up like a valve. And then the steam, you know, gets very intense before it fizzles out. It was the same for me. Like the pain, the physical, the emotional pain of the 18-year-old really in that ritual came out and up, however, then fizzled out. And then in place of all of that, what opened up was deeper trust, first and foremost for myself, because, you know, what kicks in first, like, Elspeth, why did you let this happen? You cannot even count on yourself. Why didn't you speak up? So making myself wrong, you don't do this on purpose. It's an automatic thing. So trusting myself that I can count on myself going into the future, then trusting men in general more. And then six months later, Freddie Zentar came into my life. Ta-da! And I'm sure I would not have seen him as a potential partner if I hadn't done that clearing work because he was available. You know, so I needed to be available and trusting. So... Yeah, it's this, been quite miraculous. This is a great example, Lauren, of really where we all come from in terms of our experiences. We're like this clay collecting all these experiences and this modeling and these decisions that we've made and beliefs and so on. And that's where we look into the world from. Now, the good news is that we often have an idea or a dream of something for our lives that we've never had or done or experienced before. So how do we get out of this clay that we look into the world from to move into this dream? And so the practices that we teach in terms of the energetic Tantra in term, as a meditation, because many people, Tantra is a lot of things, there are a lot of variations of Tantra. We're Tantra Nova, Tantra Nu, so we're integrating the Eastern approaches and the Western approaches to transformation. Um, what's unusual is working with the sexual energetic, because when we're in that energy, whether we're conscious or not, we're more open, loving, vulnerable, receptive. Chemically, we're changed, more endorphin, serotonin, oxytocin, the feel-good hormones. So approached with an intention, like I want to create something, we get more unmasked to what we don't see, which was Elsbeck's experience of what she shared. Beautiful. Thank you for share, both of you sharing, both of you quite differing experiences, but it all, it led you to each other. And I, yeah. I love hearing the, the breadcrumbs because your conscious mind can't make, you know, you can't plan it. You can't control it. It's really about surrendering and keeping listening to that intuition to, to guide you. Um, Elspeth, I'd love to dive into, and Freddie as well, that masculine feminine concept, you know, obviously witchy wellness radio, we've got a lot of feminine women listeners here that probably identify with what you just spoke with. And, you know, we're maybe in a partnership or, or single, but they, 
we all are searching for that lasting intimacy and that love. And we might not realize subconsciously there are those, those, that trauma, those blocks, those beliefs that maybe we don't trust men. I know that's something that my body, myself has hold on to as well. Just, just the cultural belief of, you know, um, sometimes even feminism, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, saying men are, are less than women have to be pushed up even further. So I would love to dive into, you know, that subconscious work and also, you know, the vertical kind of method of partnership versus the horizontal that you guys speak about as well. I think that'll be very helpful for the listeners to kind of understand where we're coming from. Okay, great. So the feminine, because no matter if we are women or men, the feminine, or we could also call it yin energy. That is the open, flowing, letting go, receiving, surrendering, trusting. I cannot receive without trusting. You know, I cannot receive from life, from the universe, from the divine, if I don't trust. If I question always if I have enough, that constricts me. So that also plays out in relationship. Of course, relationship with myself, first and foremost. Do I trust myself? Am I opening up to myself? Am I able to let go? Um, In my uh, feminine essence workshop, when I do work with women only, there is a practice where I ask women, it's a self-love practice, to be the beloved and the lover simultaneously. So like when I touch myself, the hand, the fingers are the giving dynamic. The top of my hand is the receiving dynamic. They feel very differently when I bring my awareness to it, the giving in the the fingertips and the receiving on my hand. And to go through a whole self-love practice, including the sensual, the erotic, the love, the heart connection, the spiritual connection, that some women really have difficulties with that, you know, more used to masturbation, which is very masculine or yang-based, where we go for the goal instead of enjoying the journey. So what I have found in my own life, in, in a very personal way, actually what I shared earlier with discovering the distrust I had held was had to do with not, as I said earlier, not trusting, and that meant I couldn't receive. And since then, that has been, you know, 25 years ago, it has, it's still a journey I'm on, you know, exploring further into the feminine where I don't control and reminding myself and allowing myself to receive from Freddie, to be open to his masculine. And when I'm in my feminine, when, where I can let go, when where I trust, you know, he can rise further. Very different from dominating and subordinating. Very, very different. And you alluded to the vertical versus the horizontal 
relationship models. So many women, you know, really confront this where also given that we have made such great strides over the last 50 years or so, and I'm so grateful to the women's movement. I wouldn't be where I am today if I wouldn't, you know, stand on their shoulders. Of course, it started with the suffrage, 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 suffrage of the women of the 1920s, you know, the early 20th century. However, by, you know, what is available to us now with participating, competing in the marketplace, yes, we need yang or masculine skills for that. There's nothing good or bad about it. It's part of the game, so to speak, you know. And women have become very successful and powerful, and, of course, there's much more room. At, at the same time, what many of us also may have forgotten or lost is the connection to that feminine, to that yin self that is, yeah, or can be vulnerable, you know. However, and what I'm saying is not only so for women, and Freddie can speak more about that, how that shows up for men and the challenges and opportunities there. So for, you know, millennia, we all have lived in a vertical uh, or patriarchal relational model where one is up and one is down. And I know probably not everybody sees that in video here. So one of my hands is up, the other one is down, demonstrating the one who is up and the one who is down. And that was patriarch, has been patriarchy. We are still in it. It has shifted a little bit, yet not fully. Now, I also want to say if it was matriarchy, it would be the same. You know, then women would be up and men would be down. So the thing is that the one who is up in that model doesn't need to listen to the one who is down because the world occurs in the way that the one who is up sees it. So what's missing is deep listening, curiosity, learning from the one that is below. At the same time, a question I asked myself actually for years, how come that us women had allowed to stay so long in the subordinate position until I came to that place and I got that in any realm of consciousness, everyone lives in the same consciousness. The consciousness of patriarchy is that one is up and one is down. Everyone is part of that consciousness. So what needs to be changed, just changing actions is not enough. We need to change consciousness. And so in the changing of the consciousness that has started already, because you, Lauren, and I, we wouldn't talk here together and do in life what we do if it hadn't, is that there is a new possibility for uh, the relational model, which we call horizontal or partnership model. So then we are, again, my hands have moved from now on the horizontal plane. One hand is on the right, the other one is on the left of that plane. 
And so now we are equal yet different. We are not dominator and subordinated. So we move from the vertical into the horizontal. And what opens up there is that we want to learn new skills or skills that both of us in the relationship, be that in an intimate relationship, in a business relationship, that horizontal model applies to every relationship, friendship, organizational relationships, relationships of countries. But given that we are about intimate relationship here, we focus on that dimension and how we can support people in cultivating the skills for the horizontal relationship like listening and speaking or speaking up are equally important. I need to be curious. I can only listen when I'm curious. You know, inviting quest or asking questions, curious questions. Then the giving and receiving. If I cannot receive, I rob the other of giving. And I cannot let go, be open and receive. And the third set of verbs uh, is following and leading. So a leader needs to be equally able to follow. If he or she cannot do that, he or she cannot really resonate with who they are leading. And the horizontal model is really then that at one moment in relationship, one is the leader, and I'm showing this with the infinity loop here, one leads, the other follows, and then the next moment, the other leads, and the first one follows, you know. So it is like, and this is how it goes, a back and forth, and we are both happy in these roles, and we want to cultivate them. Beautiful. Freddie, did you have anything you wanted to add from the, I guess, more masculine male perspective about integrating that feminine, shifting out of more of the vertical method and, and or into the horizontal. Yeah, no, absolutely. On the man's side, it looks a little different. As Elspeth was saying, I mean, for millennia, women have been suppressed in terms of their sexuality. You know, you're a whore if you like sex, or in parts of the world today, a woman could be stoned to death for having sex out of wedlock. Whereas men have always been lauded for their sexual prowess, you know, harems and playboys. The first time a guy has sex, he can't wait to tell the fellas in the locker room and so on. So for men in Tantra in the practice, it's really about bringing consciousness to this unconscious aspect of our beingness. Because women, I mean, we many couples we get and, you know, the woman, they're in the peak of their sexuality, you know, 30s. And she's like, I don't know if he loves me. And he's like, of course, I love you, honey. Look at my heart on. And she's like, yeah, but can you kiss me with your heart? And that's not something that guys learn. I mean, we're modeled two emotions to be okay to show. That's fucking or fighting. And that's my only F-bomb for the day. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so for guys in the sexual arena, that's the only place that we're allowed to really feel intimate or tender or touched or moved uh, in that way. Uh, so in the tantric practices, part of the ritual or practice for the man, no matter in all the variations that there are, is for the man to learn to move the sexual to separate ejaculation from orgasm and move the sexual energy or what we call nectar up to their heart through breath and attention and intention and awareness of energy. And a lot of guys hear that because they read an article from Sting 
40 years, 30 years ago that said, oh, I make love to my wife, you know, for eight hours. And it's not like boom, 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 boom. It'd be like broken hips and people in wheelchairs, you know, but no, it's, it's a whole aspect of breathing and touching and gazing and so on. Uh, so once guys learn to separate that ejaculation from orgasm and get start to uncouple the, uh, the uh, you know, the attachment of lust and the attachment of guilt and shame and, and, and jealousy and possession and all of that craziness, they, we start to get some freedom around the fact that this is energy. And once we can move it to the heart and she gets that if he can move her heart, then her yoni, which is a Sanskrit term for vagina, or uh, sexual, center. sexual center, thank you, um, then she can trust. As opposed to just like guys come on with the heart on, it's like, you know, this is what women are getting all the time. And it's kind of like, you know, enough already, you know. So that that yin-yang, that polarity, as Elspeth was talking about, that we're talking about, is very important in relationship. And it moves. It's dynamic. And so, I mean, because at the beginning, you know, we're zygotes in the womb and we're androgynous, you know. And then as it's whatever's decided, you know, a man has testes and a penis and a woman has ovaries and a clitoris. You know, a, a woman has a, a G spot or a Grafenberg spot and a man has a prostate. So this is just the subtle differences, you know. And as we get older, the whole thing reverses itself. You know, men grow breasts and women grow hair on their faces, you know. Uh, and so, but what we're talking about is how to be uh, an adult, you know, integrated person. And these are the practices that do that. Uh, there's none other, no other practices I know that really talk about or teach how to work consciously with this life force of sexual energy, which is intelligent. I mean, when you think that it was creating life before we had language, and when we're in that energy, whether we're doing consciousness work or not, we're more open, loving, vulnerable. As I mentioned earlier, we're chemically changed. So when you add it as a meditation, when you add intention and an awareness of energy, then we start to get, as I was saying earlier, more unmasked to the subconscious aspect of what we're doing to create what we're getting. Because if we could just do it, we wouldn't be going to therapy or going to workshops or doing, we would just do it. So it's shifting this clay that we look into the world from. And that's where the meditation, sexual meditation becomes really powerful. And again, if it's anywhere, it's everywhere. Because as you do the sexual meditation, that does inform your mutual lovemaking that you do, the quickies in the morning, self-love stuff. All of it becomes much brighter, much more aware, and not just in the bedroom. It's like when you bring consciousness in that area of your life and that intimate vulnerability, and you're very conscious and, and aware, then the way that you are living in your life shifts. Like, for instance, you know, I hate my job 30 more years of retirement. You wouldn't say that because, you know, thoughts are energy. And the cascading effect of that thought is something, if you're aware of your energy, is not something that you would do to yourself. So we start to shift how we use language, how we look into the world, how we're thinking, how we're, we start to at least be curious. Yeah, pleasure opens up and joy and, you know, gratitude for being alive and, and passion, you know, passion for life, passion for being this human being that each of us is and passion for our beloved or if I am ready to bring a beloved into my life, being passionate about this exploration and uh, instead of seeing it as the end goal and then as if everything was going to be happily ever after, this is a total illusion. It happens, the passion happens in the ongoing creation. Moment by moment. Yeah. 
And then, you know, this connection and this no matter if we just look at each other into each other's eyes or we have breakfast together or we do a breathing practice together, which we do daily, sometimes just for two or three breaths, but very consciously, these are these moments of, you know, delicious, yeah, deliciousness and preciousness. And, um, and that calls for cultivation because that doesn't mean that I am never in a bad mood or, you know, get triggered by Freddie. Oh, yes, I have, you know, my fair share of that. But how do I move out of it? How do we move out of it as a couple? Because we are animals. We feel anger, sadness, disappointment, upset. It's just how long does it stick around? You know, because once it happens and then we spin it. Did you see what happened three weeks ago? You know, we're still in it, you know. Uh, you know, really what opens up is choice. We, You know, I can't change the rain, but I can change how I feel about it. Yep, and that's the only thing we can't we can control is how we react to it. Um, and I know we kind of touched on this, but I would love to dive deeper into that reactive mode and how do we shift into that infinity flow that you were talking about earlier? I'm thinking those are two of the same. That's really great how you brought this together because in our reactive mode, there are two places we can be in. Either I make like in, as an example between Freddie and me, I either make Freddie wrong, like Freddie does something. He doesn't bring the right brand of butter home, you know. And then, you know, I used to have moments where can't he just bring the butter I really like that I always get? And, and I can be the, either in that place making him wrong or I could be in the place coming from, hmm, let me see, you know, what may have been there that moved him to bring that kind of butter. And then what I learned was that he said, you know, darling, they didn't have that particular brand. So I didn't want to come home empty handedly. I want to bring you butter so that he totally thought of me, you know, in the first place, instead of, oh, he just was so oblivious and he doesn't care. You know, so I can be either in the blaming, making wrong place, or I can be in a place of curiosity. And that is really something I'm training myself, you know, ongoingly, because as Friday said earlier, we are these animals, we are reactive, we are our nervous system is set up for fight, flight, or freeze, you know, when things don't go the way we want them, or when we, uh, you know, perceive a threat, even if it's not a real life threat. So that is where we want to train ourselves because both it will assist us in living a more, you know, equanimous life, peaceful life, joyous life, and also in our relationships. And that takes practice. You know, I'm 74 years old now. So over the last 23 years, 24 years, I have been practicing a lot. And for me, the relationship with Freddie is a wonderful, 
you know, learning ground. Say a little bit more what you always say. It's the relationship is the place where we can. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm 67. So we're we're senior citizens, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the relationship is an opportunity to see something about yourself that you otherwise wouldn't see. An opportunity to uh, learn to get out of our own way and allow the other to be totally who they are. And that requires consciousness because the ego gets in there and the doubt gets in there and the fear gets in there. And it's just insidious. And it comes from way, way, way back when we were in the womb, even, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, this is not teaching anything, something that, that people don't know. It's it's reminding them of what they've forgotten, because when we were in the womb, it was just womb service. And we were just floating in the embryonic fluid and it was just effortless and it was wonderful. And then all of a sudden we're born, whoosh, you know, guys are people getting whacked in their bottoms. Some guys are getting their wee-wees cut and you think it's sending me back. And then life happens. All this stuff, as I was saying earlier, we, the, you know, decisions and experiences, good and bad. And then we get to a point in our life where we want something that's never been before. And then it's about getting out of our own way. And these are some of those practices to become curious, a curious observer of who we are living into this possibility, this also this infinite possibility. I mean, we think about the universe, it goes on forever and that we're part of, you know, stardust. I mean, that's our lineage. So our dreams are what connect us. Yeah. And then we can see, Lauren, that this vertical versus horizontal relationship relating actually shows up in every relationship because there are moments when I try to control the situation, I may be afraid. I may think, oh, Freddie doesn't know what I want, so I better do it myself or tell him in a way that may be patronizing, you know. Um, so I'm in that upper position and I make him into the lower position. So to really be aware of that in our relationships, one or the other can be at the top or at the bottom. So we want to look out for where are we fighting for being right, controlling, which is always the upper hand, so to speak, the upper role, or where am I in victimhood? Where do I feel like I'm being done to? It's happening to me versus the, wow, I may feel this, that Freddie is trying to take over control, but I'm not a prisoner to that. I can say, oh, I then can become curious, say, okay, darling, what would you like? Instead of resisting, instead of breaking out into tears, you always treat me like that, you know, like where I really feel being victimized, and we all have it in us. There's no one exempt. Yeah, guys feel like that too. They, they always go, we aren't allowed to do that. So we hold it in and we fight instead, you know. <laughs> or he, you know, may curse wildly or get very angry. Men, the emotion that is allowed is anger for men. But then they don't know what to do with the anger. And at times it comes out e either in screaming or in throwing, or in hitting, depending on where the man is in his consciousness. Well, it's not so much the anger. It shows up as anger, but it's just the reaction to feeling something. So we, you know, interpret the feeling, and it comes out as anger. So, so you do something that feels like, you know, ah, 
and then we get angry and then it comes out as opposed to that really hurt me or that, you know, we get angry about it. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, kind of how it shows up. That's a great distinction. Yeah. So, but the opportunity is again, being this curious witness of ourselves, we could take a breath. That's the key. So practice stillness is one of the key pieces. But again, sexual meditation even takes you even further. It's a further deepening of that listening and uh, to be able to have it when you want it yeah. in the moment. So it's essential that we do our own practices, both in sexual meditation, there's a solo practice, and then there's also a partner practice. And also in non-sexual, like emotional practices, where we want to cultivate ourselves, because if I cannot shift into a listening mode, into being open and curious with myself, I cannot be it with Freddie, hmm. you know, so I want to practice this. And then, of course, each in the relationship wants to practice it. So that it's just like, you know, in sports, doing your own practice, training your muscles. If you don't have trained muscles, you go on the playing field, you are not ready. You try to, you know, work with your team, but you're just not there in the moment. The other thing I want to harken back to is to the life force energy where sexual meditation is the way of connecting with our life-giving energy that is sexual in nature and learn to channel it from the sexual center, and that applies to men and women. We don't teach it right away to women. Like for men, what Freddie said earlier, separating ejaculation from orgasm is essential. That is a key component for a man to actually become more, to mature in his manhood, where he learns to move his wonderful testosterone energy up into his heart. Because when a man is integrated between his sex and his heart, he becomes more available. Sexual energy by itself is rather primal, which is wonderful. However, it's not connected with the heart, you know, and it's more lusty, which is wonderful. It doesn't, you know, it's not conducive to connecting with himself or with a beloved because that energy and some women who are very much connected with their testosterone energy, um, they may be familiar with what I'm saying that this is like the leading part of the person. The thing other too, Lauren, is when you bring consciousness in the sexual energetic arousal, either low or high, the kernel, the essence of that energy, creativity and pleasure start to show up in areas of life that seem completely unrelated to sex in the simple process of living. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we start to listen more clearly. We start to be curious of ourselves and our reactions and emotions, yeah. particularly if you're doing this work. Yeah, and then yep. the great thing is that we can harness that wonderful life-giving energy that at certain moments shows up in high arousal, and it's so pleasurable and so wonderful and all-encompassing. And then this moment, you know, of three seconds of orgasm, the mind is shut off because we cannot think and have an orgasm at at uh, the same time. So it's like finally a relief from the busyness and the shadow of the mind. Yeah, the French call it the little death. Yeah. So that we can then learn 
to bring up that wonderful aroused energy up into the heart, same for the woman, and then up into our third eye, connecting with our consciousness, so that we become integrated between our sexual, our heart, and our consciousness self. And of course, it as it moves up with the breath, that wonderful sensation, orgasmic feeling informing my consciousness, I move my consciousness down into the heart with the exhalation into my sexual self. It's really quite an experience to learn to, to practice sipping on that orgasmic, what we call nectar, as opposed to just building to a climax and then having it explode on its own, which is great, but to be conscious and use with muscle control and breath awareness and energetic awareness, moving that nectar, we call it, up to the heart. And literally you can have heartgasms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and for a man to do that with the uh, learned, trained muscle of the PC, a pubococcygeic muscle, that figure eight that runs around the man's penis and intersects at the perineum and around the anus, and same for the woman around the vagina, parent, and so on, that figure eight, that for the man, being able to lock that down like a mula banda, like a, like a kegel, and then breathe in that high level, that's when you can do it without ejaculation, which after ejaculation, you have refractory. So a man can stay erect and stay energized for a long time. And that's what guys hear. But when you do that, it takes you to another level of awareness in terms of just our own consciousness, because it's not just a trick, a parlor trick. Right, right. Because some people say, oh, I want to learn some tricks here. It's yeah, something's going to make sex better or yeah. more exciting it, or whatever. It is a shift in awareness. And with that, our bodies shift. With that, our heart opening shifts. Because the heart is the connector, not the sex. The sex is desirous, yet not the connector. But both together. Wow. And then to bring it up into our awareness, like awareness of the sense of the experience, also then can lead us to channeling that wonderful life-giving energy that is creative in nature into our projects, what we want to create in the world. You know, I mean, mm. it's creative energy. Transmuting so, the sexual energy, yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we lose the pleasure. We just transmute the pleasure further into an intentionality and uh, in our book we talk about it uh, and there is a book that was written back in the 40s by a guy named napoleon hill called think and grow rich and most people have heard of it or read it and it was about teaching people to shift their mindset to think to be rich to start to create wealth and one of the little sections of his book he mentions lucky is the person who can learn to use their sexual energy to create wealth he doesn't teach you how we do. Not so much wealth, but more like personal relationships, but anything you wealth want to do. Too, wealth, too, in every way. You know, but begin to shift at a deep level the belief and, again, that clay we look into the world from to move into the dream and the possibility and the belief. And we use this creative energy to be, like, carried Wow, wow, wow. I, I don't even know. I did, that's a beautiful way to end. But I did, I was rereading Think and Go Rich last year. And I noticed that little section about the sexual energy. And, I, and I'd read it before years ago, and I never remembered that. So a little extra breadcrumb here. So thank you for sharing. Oh, my goodness. So 
much I know the listeners and myself have gained so much out of this episode. Thank you for being with us today, for cultivating your own life force energy and just this beautiful giving nature, beings that you are. How may we, as a huge act of gratitude, be of service for both of you today in return? We actually, in that loop, in that infinity loop, between you, the audience, and us, um, we, we'd love to offer a gift, which is actually a video class of, with, with foundational practices for cultivating sexual meditation. We thought coming out of this conversation, it would be great for each of you who is listening or watching today to have now a further step where you can actually explore, experiment, cultivate your body, your breath, become aware of energy in a new way that are all the precursors for channeling your luscious life force energy. And then, of course, there are other ways of connecting with us, coming back to us, which we really would love to hear from you. You can go to our website at tantranova.com, T-A-N-T-R-A-N-O-V-A.com. Or, of course, also the book you mentioned, Lauren, Sexual Enlightenment, that is available on Amazon, both in hard copy and audio book. Uh, you know, which gives, of course, much more background, also theoretical background, historical background, and then also practices. Um, so yes, that would be wonderful being in the circuit with you and staying in it. That would be a great gift to me. Well, thank you both so much. It's been an honor to really be curious and listen to both of you today. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Best in the new year.